You're listening to the Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp Podcast for people passionate about making a positive change. We believe understanding your audience is the key to maximum impact, and behavioral science takes this to a whole new level. Join your host, Ruth Dale, and expert guests to explore biases, beliefs, why we do what we do, and why we don't do what we said we would do. Hello, bootcampers, and welcome to another episode of Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a little while since we've um, released an episode, and I thought it is Mental Health Week this week, so we will dedicate today's episode to mental health and how behavioral science can help you max out your marketing and communications around the subject. And I also thought I would um, explain where we've been and what we've been doing. So we really, truly believe in boot camp that in order to walk the walk you have to talk the talk oh no <laughs> i'm gone in order to you no know, talk the talk you've got to walk the walk <laughs> so at this point in time i am demonstrating cognitive fatigue <laughs> but we really believe that in order to be able to share learning with everyone else you've got to do a little bit yourself so we have been very busy working with clients doing some deep dive behavioral insights doing training up in-house teams and working on some fantastic projects one of them which includes mental health also smoking and yeah we've just been having great fun hopefully some of you have seen the murder mystery really short and sharp free webinar we did that was just so much fun and it was because we've been so deep dive running online interviews and doing behavioral diagnosis we really wanted to just reach out and connect with everyone again because of course Bootcamp, May Bootcamp is on its way, May the 20th. So we're just gearing up for that and we'll be sending out our check-in emails to everyone who signed up soon um, where we ask for an address to send their free gift but just some prep as well for everyone so we can hit the ground running on the day. So yeah, that's where we've been. We've actually been delivering behavior change marketing. And as today's subject is mental health, um, I thought I'd just share a little bit about my background with you because I know most of people that listen to this are sort of NHS, local authority or health background, public health background. And I have delivered behavior change marketing now for over a decade easily. And I'm stopping there, quite frankly. And social marketing, I should say, poor old cousin social marketing is not getting enough attention. But so I have been delivering in-house across local authorities, NHS and Public Health England. And I supported Public Health England and Cabinet Office during 2020. So, yeah, it's been a busy old time. And I also... Well, I supported the development and of the Evermind Matters campaign the first time round. And then, of course, the second time working to get it out to all the local resilience forums, to not just the public, but to every communications professional that was working tirelessly day in and day out. And there were some real pinch points during 2020 where I know myself and colleagues and everyone was supporting Frontline, you know, round the clock. And so it was really important to get those messages to colleagues and internal comms through internal comms, as well as the more bigger commercial advertising, which hopefully everyone has seen. And I love Every Mind Matters, not only because I worked on it, and I'm sure that is some sort of bias I'm demonstrating, but because my son actually responded amazingly well to it. He is 12 years old and going in and out, the yo-yo of schooling in and out 
really affected him. He was, he, he is, he's a bit of a comedian, but he's a shy comedian. And, um, I pointed him, well, actually the advertising did to the adverts and the videos with the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. And I'm not even going to read any to you because they make you cry because they're so powerful and the storytelling is so wonderful. So as it is Mental Health Week, I thought I'd just share that with you. To any parents, that book is still amazing. And the mind plan on Every Mind Matters is fantastic. You can swap things in and out if you think, oh, no, that's not me. But also actually look for your children because I know a lot of my mental anxiety comes from the fact that I am worrying about worrying about them. So if, if I stop worrying about them, then I'll probably reduce my own levels. But also, I'm sure they pick up on it. And I don't want them to think that anything they're experiencing isn't exactly the same. Or sorry, isn't the norm as in everyone is having to reconnect and rebuild in a way. And we're so fortunate. I've had my first vaccine. So it's all looking really positive. And I have this new appreciation for teachers that more than I've ever had. I could not have done any more homeschooling. And I'm even married to a teacher. So you would think that was easier, but no, because they were, he was busy online lessons all day. So I was, well, it was interesting, let's say the least, but I, even though I've been married to a teacher and I have teachers in the family, I've never appreciated them as much as I do now. And I'm the happiest mum on school run. And I promise to myself, I will never moan on school run again. Although I already have a few times. So yeah, for my mental health, I probably have got just more aware of the negative dialogue that I can find myself in when so much has been out of my control. And I think I really just looking and wanting to do the best for my kids was probably my biggest motivator, if I'm honest, because I didn't want them to pick up on any anxiety or, you know, for me to be the source of it for them when actually, you know, they couldn't give a monkey's. My eight-year-old bounced around like bouncing ball, happy as anything. I feel like if I planted the seed, there was something to worry about to him. He would have looked at me a bit confused. He loved no school, (laughs) say no more. Anyway, I'm going to pause here because hopefully you have tuned in to learn how behavioral science can make a positive impact in messaging and everyday communications around mental health and well-being. Hello, boot campers, and welcome to another episode of Behavior Change Marketing Bootcamp. This week, we are focusing in on mental wellness, and I'm delighted to welcome Shaney. Shaney is very much a leading lady in behavioral science. She is a she well, she's the founder of Lynn PR, which is a strategic communications agency specializing in the application of behavioral science. And we're going to do a sort of mini behind the scenes look at hashtag free your mind, which was an award winning mental health campaign that Shani led with her agency started off in June 2020 and has had two bursts now. It's been so successful. It was a UK social media awards finalist. But actually, that doesn't really do Shay any credit because she has so many awards, it takes forever to list them. But just to say that the agency really has taken it by storm. And I think really because it was such a big gap for a really good agency that could work with you know such understanding and resilience with 
in-house public sector teams, especially during the COVID pandemic. So they've hit the ground running. I'm just going to look at this list I'm reading. So they're recognized as the new agency to watch by the PRCA. They won the PRCA Digital Award in 2021. I'm looking at Shaney, hoping to get this right. They are waiting, really excitingly, for two major awards, PR Moment Innovation Award and a PRCA DARE Awards, which is fantastic. So I'm going to hand over to Shaney now to say a little bit more about herself. Thank you so much, Ruth. And thank you so much for having me. Yeah, so you got you got the awards pretty close. So not not too bad. The new agency to watch uh, was PR Week, lest PR Week accept <laughs> right now. Uh, and we're also waiting with much bated breath for CIPR Excellence New PR Consultancy of the Year 2021. So fingers crossed for that. But thank you so much for having me. And as you mentioned, I'll, I'll do a bit of a intro as well. My name is Shaini Lin. I run LinPR. We are a strategic communications and behavioral science agency. We are virtual, although the company is headquartered in Wales and my team are spread across the UK. We're not very, well, we're not very old. We're very young, if, if that matters. The agency itself was incorporated in October 2019. And prior to that, I was head of communications at Cardiff University for alumni relations and fundraising. So very much public sector uh, background. Um, if anything, I have no agency background outside of Olympia. So I, when I made that decision to do I stay on in my cushy public sector job or do I do something quite radical and innovative and start my own company and, and move into the agency world, that was quite a <laughs> risky move when I look back. But I'm very pleased we did it. And what Olympia hopefully demonstrates is the fact that you can take those risky decisions that take your career somewhere else as long as you have that confidence in your application of communications, and in our case, the application of behavioral science. Uh, Just a few other things on me in terms of my background. I'm a fellow of the CIPR and the PRCA. I am vice chair of CIPR's Behavioral Insights Interest Group and also on the BI in PR panel. You can find us with the hashtag BI in PR. And I'm also on committees for CIPR for Education and Skills, for GCS Southwest and Wales. I feel like I'm missing something else. I'm not quite sure. I'm an associate lecturer at Cardiff University on the International PR Programme. That's fantastic. Thanks so much, Shani. And you're also, I just say, such an expert on this. So as we go through and do a bit of a behind the scenes, do everyone listen and really think if Shani's saying it works or it's a good tip, then it truly is. So Shani, first of all, could you please sort of give us a background of the brief that you were given for the hashtag Free Your Mind, how it came about, and just a few pointers of things that you're particularly proud of about that campaign? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we don't need to remind anyone about the impact of COVID-19. We're looking back, going back in time to this was around May 2020, when the conversation with our client, NHS Southeast London, CCG started. So obviously, the pandemic and lockdown presented the NHS with a number of challenges. But one of the biggest that was perhaps ignored a little bit in the beginning, but is now very much a prominent topic and features heavily in public health agenda, was the impact of new safety measures and behaviors on mental health. So our client, NHS Southeast London CCG, recognized the risk of rising mental ill health quite early on. And they wanted to raise awareness of an engagement with its mental health services and well-being resources 
So residents could inform themselves when and how to self-manage. And that was a key part of the campaign is equipping Southeast Londoners to identify when they might be mentally unwell and how to take care of themselves and also when to seek specialist help. So really, we were tasked with identifying and engaging with a mass population, which was the 1.9 million residents in Southeast London, but also specific segments that were perhaps more vulnerable or seldom heard audience groups, like, for example, BAME communities or young people, and help them get to the services that they needed when it came to mental health during lockdown. Our job was to identify and map these groups and communities and determine the best, the most effective ways of communicating with them, and then creating a platform awareness digital campaign that would contact and convince these audiences to use the digital resources, services that are available to them to seek specialist help via early intervention or other crisis hotlines, etc. And we needed to work really, really quickly. So the entire campaign was behaviorally informed, even though we came in during lockdown one and a pandemic. I suspect uh, a lot of people would expect, you know, delivery, go, go, go. But we took our time, you know, whatever time we could salvage from the project, which was about a few weeks, to do our research, to identify the specific challenge within Southeast London, because behavior change is about context. So we needed to understand what the local context was. We did our audience segmentation. And what we did, and, you know, our client, Russell Cartwright, who's the Assistant Director of Communications and Engagement at the CCG, and he says this quite publicly, he says, at that point, when everyone wanted us to go, 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 Linpia insisting, and we do this for every campaign, that we need to run a, what we call a rapid test phase, so our randomized trials. You know, it might seem a bit counterintuitive. Why are you pausing on activation to do some testing when we need this urgent public health message to go? But because we did that for two weeks, the insights that we got were so rich and equipped the campaign to succeed in such a dramatic way. Obviously, the results speak for itself. It's a multi-award winning campaign. It's been shortlisted this year itself for three or four awards. It clearly has really resonated both with the audience that we're targeting, but also our wider sector. So again, shows the importance of that scientific methodology to communications to pausing on activation sometime to give it the space to test, to understand whether your interventions, your creators, your content, your calls to action actually work on the ground or not. Yeah. So Shani, I hear you say that a lot and it's on your website, the importance of being data driven. So and I think it's a wonderful way of actually bridging the intention action gap that you can get in primary research because you're actually taking those two weeks to actually get the insights about what people did or didn't do rather than, you know, putting it down to chance. And that's, I have seen that quote and that's fantastic. I mean, that's brilliant. And that's takes us forward leaps and bounds in sort of campaign development to plan in that test phase and not just run straight to activation and put all your eggs in one basket and not know. And I think one of the best benefits that you mentioned that came out of that was your engagement, not only with Bain audiences, but with young people Mm -hmm. who we all know, you know, notoriously hard to reach and especially hard to resonate with around mental wellness. Um, And I think it's young, reaching young people has been a subject that I know in the groups I'm in and colleagues and friends working in public sector. It's been a real priority. It's been a real worry. How do we reach young people? How do we protect them? Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about your success with young people. And did you mention a service that you 
um, referred them into? Yeah, absolutely. So just to go back to your comment on intent action gap, I think that's so important. And with primary research, um, there seems to be a tendency, especially in marketing, to rely quite heavily on qualitative feedback, which is brilliant. However, we should be aware of the the cons of qualitative feedback only because, you know, the there's a whole issue around representation, you know, and sample bias. How is your sample selected and how representative is it of the community that you're speaking to? There's also the whole concept of observer effects. So the less anonymous we become, the more likely we are to comply with our questioner or people on a panel with us. And then finally, as you say, it's the intent to action gap. Just because I say something on a focus group that I want to do, doesn't mean that's the action I take. And behavior change is, uh, or behavioral science is about observing behavior, not intent. So we do focus on, uh, of course, we do qualitative research, don't get me wrong, but we really reinforce to our clients the importance of mixed methodology and our randomized trials are quantitative because we actually observe that behavior in action. So yes, people might have said that we like X, Y, and Z in a focus group in terms of creatives and delivery. However, do they actually do that in a randomized way? So there is no bias that's going into that process. We aren't going to a panel. We aren't, we're looking at live behavior to see if our campaign is persuading people to do the things that we want them to do. Um, going back to young audiences, yeah, we do have significant experience in communicating with and convincing seldom heard groups, of which, of course, young audiences is one. Our engagement rates with young audiences uh, range around 2.3 to 2.7%. And just to give you a bit of an average baseline uh, healthcare engagement rates in general, according to Rival IQ, 2020 is about 0.8% for Facebook. So it does show you that there is a marked increase in that engagement that we generate. With Free Your Mind, I think, you know, with any campaign that we do, we segment our content and our communications. We devise with different creatives and different content and different, even different landing pages for different segments. Um, so the experience, the digital experience that our audiences have when they interact with a campaign is very bespoke and very personalized because personalization is another way of increasing salience. So that would probably be one of the reasons why we have a higher engagement rate because it's all quite bespoke towards their characteristics. We also, of course, then observe their behavior in that test phase where we are testing multiple elements against a control. So, and we, we understand then during that phase, whether whichever segment, whether that's young segment, whether that's an over 65 segment, you know, are they responding to choice A or choice B or choice C? You know, where, where does that, where, where do they find, which piece of content do they find most persuasive? And then we activate based on the insights, the data insights that we gather during our testing. And then once we activate, we are monitoring in real time. So we can see if there is a message saturation issue, if there's rising CPC, or if something is just not working, we can shift gear quite quickly. Again, that is, I think, you know, not many agencies do that because it is quite time intensive to be looking at. I mean, if you think about it, some of our campaigns have had in excess of 50 segments. Um, so, you know, monitoring 50 segments every single day and observing trends and making adjustments does take time and effort. So... Free Your Mind was, again, we did connect with young audiences. We've just completed Free Your Mind 2, where the young audience was another segment. We are analyzing that data. Ultimately, it's about did they do what we wanted them to do? Yeah. You know, what happened as a result of that campaign? For Free Your Mind 1, we had drive in excess of 700 registrations to a mental health platform for young people called Cooth. 
Also, we drove an increase of 131.5% to IAPT referrals, which is psychological therapy. So those are real outcomes that the campaign generated, which, you know, it's, it's more than your reach. It's more than your engagement rate even. And for Free Your Mind too, we have very specifically looked at improving access to psychological therapies, as well as promoting the adult version of Kuth, which is Quell, which was launched in London. So we are looking at that data now to see how they behaved, how they responded. What I will say is we ran our test phase again for Free Your Mind too. The most persuasive content and created from phase one was still as resonant in phase two, which shows it replicated. And as you know, Ruth, there's a replication of this in behavioral science. So it made me very happy to see the stuff that we'd come up with in Free Mind 1 was still resonant in Free Mind 2. So that was fun. That's fantastic. So I'm just going to break down everything you said there because there were some brilliant nuggets of wisdom and everything. So just to clarify, actual outcomes driving actual referrals into services. So knowing those young people reach safe hands is just such a fantastic outcome. And I know Kuth well and this fantastic service. I didn't know there was an adult version. So that's one to watch, definitely. So couple of things that you said completely intrigued me there when you said you had 50 segments, but you would be watching a rising P- CPC. So what is a rising CPC? So 50 segments, not for Pre Your Mind. It was for another okay. campaign okay. with Rospa. Um, so we had, we targeted all of England with six randomized trials. And we had, I think, 63 segments for Rospa, who are also a finalist for PRCA Dare Awards this year. So we shall see. Wow. Okay. Rising CPC, CPC is cost per click. So we use a lot of paid social to generate our responses. Obviously, it's, you know, we look at the whole peso matrix, so paid, earned, shared, owned. But in terms of reaching some of these audiences, we need to optimize paid social yeah. on the channels to get to them. So when you're doing that, obviously, when you're looking at the likes of Facebook, YouTube, Google, you know, you're bidding for keywords, you're bidding on audiences. And if depending on how large the sample, the audience group is, or how small they are, or, you know, depending on many variables, uh, your cost per click, which is CPC, might rise. So most of our campaigns tend to have a traffic objective because we're driving them to somewhere, whether it's a micro or a service. I mean, we do have reach objectives, where it's brand awareness, um, and, and we do have other objectives, but it tends to be uh, it, so far in the traffic arena. So we, you know, if a message is perhaps saturating, so the audiences are tiring of seeing that message, that will increase CPC, for example. So by observing these trends, which are financial, we get a sense of whether the message is still resonating, whether it's penetrating, and whether people are still being responsive to that particular call to action. So that's something that the agency does on behalf of the client, monitors the cost per click. And a rising cost per click could indicate message saturation, mm-hmm. in which case you would adjust the message or try a new creative. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the beauty of our t- test phase is that we have such a big suite that we start with that we know what for, what first preferences, what second preferences, what third preferences per segment. So we can quickly shift gears. So for example, for Free Your Mind phase one, we were looking at Twitter. So this was a really interesting, we, had, we did a little test on Twitter for pay for 50 quid. And we just saw that it just wasn't generating the response that we expected. 
it was really high. You know, the, the cost per click or acquisition, I can't remember what it's called, was very high compared to what we'd like it to be. So our recommendation was to shift gears on Twitter really quickly and use it for amplification only. So we used, we did an influencer outreach phase and we managed to secure pro bono support from, you know, Rapman and Rio Ferdinand Association, all local to the area, which then generated a really high engagement rate organic um. on Twitter. Equally, when we were doing Free Mind Phase 2, we, we'd seen a, we tried YouTube briefly for Phase 1. So we'd seen success with it for Phase 1. So obviously we wanted to utilize it for Phase 2. However, the pandemic means that Google have really clamped down on keywords specifically around COVID. So we saw that we couldn't get as much traction as we thought we would on YouTube for phase two. So we shifted gear onto Facebook video and that performed really, really well. So it's about making those decisions really quickly and not just saying, okay, I've put some budget in this channel. Let's just wait and let it spend. We are are observing how that budget is performing and whether ROI is worth it or not. And if it isn't, we make recommendations to very quickly shift channels. Oh, that's incredibly interesting. So you're almost... I was about to say evaluating, but it's not evaluating, is it? It's monitoring in real time and then taking action. Absolutely. And not waiting. And that's something I think I know a lot of in-house communications and marketing leads use Facebook themselves. And I'm not sure if everyone realizes that, you know, you are actually bidding on keywords and the importance of actually having someone to watch and monitor for you and to take action for you. If, um, you know, if it's something you're just doing on the side, unless you've got that dedicated in-house resource, there's so much more that paid social media can give you. Gosh, yeah, this conversation is so interesting because when we were chatting earlier, we were having such a giggle and we didn't really go into the media buying side so much, but that's just come out so naturally. And I think it will be incredibly useful for any in-house people that are delivering their own media buying campaigns. The importance of observing behavior not just intent. And that's something you said earlier, Shani, which I think, so if you just take away a few things, remember to observe behavior and not intent. Segment, it's okay to have more than one target audience. I know every commerce and marketing person says that, but you know, often we work with people who just want you to get everyone. So even if if your brief is your whole population or all your residents, you know, do look at your channels and break it down and segment it but then test and test, watch and test and change. And it's okay to take action. This is brilliant. If something's not working, it doesn't mean it's failed. It doesn't mean it's wrong. It just means you need to shift gear. So it reminds me a bit like running through a stream. You know, you're trying to get to the other side and you have to just keep jumping on the pebbles or the big stones. Sometimes you're going to get a bit wet, but you don't stop midway, do you? You know, you you keep hopping across and it's like that with media buying, keep going and being, keep watching and paying attention. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And this is brilliant. I'm absolutely like, yay. I don't know. I just do enjoy a bit of a chat about media buying. I don't think we talk about it enough in the public sector. And I think loads of people are doing it. So just to finish off, could you, we have two questions we always ask our guests. What book would you recommend someone to read to kind of advance them in behavioral science? 
Gosh. Well, I mean, you know, literacy in behavioral science and communications isn't as high as we would like it to be. You know, there's a lot of people who are interested, but perhaps don't know quite what it is. They've probably read the book Nudge and, and you know, feel that is the extent of behavioral science. Nudge is actually a subset of behavioral science, not the wider discipline in itself. So without knowing the literacy of your audiences, I would recommend introductory books like Nudge, like Influence. And I would probably say Nudge, Influence and Predictably Irrational for some introductory readers uh, and for someone who wants to explore a bit further. Thinking Fast and Slow is a great book, but it's quite complex, quite heavy. I've read that book probably seven times and keep going back to it. So it's not going to be something that you read one off. There's also a really good book by David Halpern inside the Nudge Unit, which is also really interesting. And, you know, so many books come out every single year. There's, you know, behavioral science is such a vast area. You could be looking at behavioral design. You could be looking at behavioral interventions. You could be looking at evaluation. There's just so much to explore. So it's really what you're interested in. But yeah. All the links to these books will pop in the show notes for everyone um, to have a read. And we um, cover, we sort of have a bit of a mini look at books in boot camp as well. And the Thinking Fast and Slow book, as Shaney said, it is a bit heavy. It's incredibly, amazingly interesting but you know it's not a bedtime read and I, so I got it on audio just cheat get it on audio well, so Shaney have you remembered yeah, I have I'm, I'm, it's because I've not had enough coffee Ruth and it's <laughs> I haven't read in a while and it's not sitting in my in my library it's Misbehaving by Tana ah Misbehaving recommend um, just to get an understanding of modern behavioral science and where behavioral economics came from and the connection between Thaler's work and Kahneman's work and linking it back to sort of Adam Smith in the 18th century. It's just a really interesting book written really well. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love the title, Misbehaving. Okay. And so just to finish, and because it is, we're going to turn this around really quickly. We really want to get it out for Mental Health Week. Shaney, what makes you your best self? Gosh, it's hard when you're running your own agency. It's hard when you're, you know, building a business ground up. But I do remember to take time out to be with my my doggy, Lara, my puppy. She's going to be four this year. And even sometimes just switching off the laptop and having a cuddle with her or just playing with her is just really de-stressing. We are getting another puppy shortly called Aiko. And I am sure that's either going to really improve my mental health because of all the cuteness or really destroy it because of all the crying that any mm-hmm. anyone with a new puppy will remember. So I am looking forward to having two fur babies um, to stop my daily work and, and pause. Oh, so that's the squeal moment. Any puppy lovers out there? And I have to say, we did have a look at the picture earlier and we did do this whole, the obligatory squeals. Just, he's so cute. So yes, I think either make you or break you a puppy, to be honest. I have a mad Cocker Spaniel Duke and he broke me. And I was quite, be quite honest about it every day. Uh, you know, rearing a puppy is no easy task, but I, I if you stick it out, right? The, the reward at the end of that long journey is, is yeah. worth Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much, Shani. Really appreciate it. It was really interesting. That was definitely behind the scenes look at the delivery and execution of a very successful campaign that improved people's mental health and well-being. And um, everyone have a wonderful week. Take care during Mental Health Week. And Shani, I will just say over and out. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. 
So thank you, Shaney. We are done. The interview is over. The episode is almost complete and we're very grateful to Shaney for her time, but also to you guys for listening. Thank you so much. If anyone does know my son, George, he's 12. He is a tween. Please do not mention the fact that I spoke about him in this podcast. Privacy is everything. <laughs> so, yes, moving on. But it is Mental Health Week. So please do everyone take care of yourself. We really appreciate you listening into the episodes. On a kind of final boot camp note, we always try and give a few extra tips and reminders to keep nudging you to focus on behavioural science. And with mental health, it's so easy just to focus on the problem. So remember your negative social norms. You do get what you ask for. So if we're always talking about a problem, then that's what we'll get. But of course, mental health is the same as physical health. It's something we need to look after all day or every day and really be as kind to ourselves as we are our family and friends. So don't leave it till it's last minute. Don't think it's something you do later at the end of the day. Mental health is as important as your physical health. It's as important as walking around, doing your stretches, whatever physical activity you took up in lockdown. It, mental health is up there with it. So please do put yourself first. Do something really kind and nice for yourself today. I am going to have a really nice cup of Assam tea, which is my absolute favourite, which I got for my birthday, and some really yummy chocolate. So my little treat is complete indulgence, but it's been a real treat speaking to Shaney and just connecting with you all again. If you want to come to boot camp, we are racing now to get it ready. We're so excited. Boot camp lives on www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. So it doesn't have its own home yet because it's our training arm of the company. So we offer a range of services. And so it's, I don't know, it seems to be growing. People ask me, oh, where's the information on boot camp? And then I say social insight and they're like, oh, really? So maybe Behaviour Change Boot Camp needs its own website. And that would be awesome. We just need to find some time to get it done. But for the moment, the boot camp lives at www.socialinsightmarketing.co.uk. We have held open the early bird because we've had so many messages from people saying, please, my paperwork is really slow or I've put requests in, etc. And it just didn't feel right. And I'm, you know, the, I don't know if the concept of an early bird it really is very fair at this moment in time. So we're going to look at that and just, yeah, we've held it open. So please any last minute people you're very very welcome just use that button but i'm going to sign off here and thank you all again for listening and we'll catch up again soon <laughs> <laughs>